It's a delight this morning uh, for us to uh, have Julian come and share the word for us. And so I'm going to hand over to Julian. Are you, are you coming first or is, uh, are we reading first? We're going to have the reading first. Judith, come and read for us. And um, as you know, if you've been with us for any of these last few weeks, we've been reading together from Philemon. And I think the, the text will come up here at the same time. Okay. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Morning. Can you hear me all right? Great to see you. Really good to be with you this morning. And also for those who are watching online, special welcome to you as well. So thanks, Judith, for reading that. 
so as you know now we've been well for the last few weeks now we've been um reading the smallest book in the new testament which is the book of philemon all 25 verses of it and uh by now we um get into grips with this letter and it's maybe short but it's packed full of amazing themes and has a powerful message none more so than the message of forgiveness let's face it relationships can be really hard work particularly in families even amongst our church family probably known at times when we've been hurt or let down or worse by a fellow christian or another family member, or a close friend. And because of this, sometimes relationships simply break down. Sometimes they're never the same again. The pain that we carry around within us can, if we're not careful, and we don't deal with it, cause us a lot of damage. And I'm convinced that one of the main reasons why so many people struggle with mental health issues like anxiety and depression is due to the breakdown of relationships and the toll that unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness takes upon us. In the book of Philemon that we've just read, we read about the breakdown of one such relationship. Philemon was a a well-to-do man. He had a considerable household and in that time would have meant he had slaves, one of whom had run away. Now we don't know for sure, but the indication is that Onesimus, who ran away, did him some harm, probably stole something from him and then made a bid for freedom. Now, according to Roman law, the slave, Onesimus, was guilty of one of the most serious offences that could have been committed in that time. And he could have been severely punished, even to the point of death. So it's a serious thing that Onesimus has done. But Onesimus comes into contact with the Apostle Paul, the writer of that letter. And he's become a Christian. So Paul writes this open letter to his friend Philemon and the church that he's a leader of in the city of Colossae. Now Colossae was a significant city in what was then known as Asia Minor. We now know it as modern day Turkey. And the theme of forgiveness runs through this letter. As one commentator put it, the letter of Philemon breathes Christian love. This small letter provides an illustration of how the Christian gospel transforms the lives of Christians and the way they treat one another. Paul is writing this letter to Philemon saying, you should take Onesimus back, Uh, but not just as a slave, as a fellow brother in the Lord, essentially an equal. This is not just a shocking request. This is totally unheard of 
And now Paul is asking Philemon to extend the same kind of mercy that he himself has received through the forgiveness of his own sins. Just imagine how Philemon would have felt. I'm sure he was deeply hurt through the actions of Onesimus. Maybe he would have questioned his own behavior. Because um, maybe he questioned, well, how I treat my slaves. After all, Philemon was a Christian master and probably would have treated his slaves with dignity and care. Was it his fault? Was it something he did? Was it something he said? You might know what that's like. If you've ever been offended, hurt or betrayed, it can leave a very deep scar. The message of Christianity is that Jesus knows about these deep wounds and he's even experienced him them himself. He knew what it was like to be betrayed and rejected and maligned and wrongly accused. And because of that, he offers us a way of finding healing for those very scars and wounds that we carry around with us that sometimes can seem like shackles and cause us no end of suffering. I think it helps sometimes to listen to other people's stories about forgiveness. And there's loads of them around. For example, Gordon Wilson, whose daughter Marie was killed by the IRA in an IRA bomb in, in a skillin. Yet whose message of forgiveness paved the way for the Good Friday Agreement to happen. Or maybe the, uh, the powerful stories of reconciliation and forgiveness of those that suffered terribly from the Rwandan genocide in 1994, where over 800,000 civilians were murdered. But the one story that stands out to me more than all of them is about the Dutch Holocaust survivor, Corrie ten Boom. Now, I have to warn you that this story comes with a handkerchief alert. And here she recounts the day that she met one of the guards of the Ravensbrook concentration camp where she and her father and her sister were incarcerated and her father and sister murdered. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man with a grey overcoat, a brown felt hat, hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I'd just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to a defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favourite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, that I'd like to think that's where forgiven sins are thrown. 
When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest sea, gone forever. And that's when I saw him, working up towards me against the others. One moment I saw the brown overcoat and the brown hat, next a blue uniform and a visored cap with skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. That huge room with its harsh lights and the pathetic piles of dresses and shoes on the centre of the floor and the shame of walking naked past that man. And I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Throylein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who spoke so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He, he wouldn't remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner amongst those thousands of women? But I remembered him, crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood froze. You recalled Ravensbrook in your talk. I, I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know God has forgiven me for the cruel things I have done. But I would like to hear it from your lips. Fräulein, again, the hand thrust out, will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins have had to be forgiven and again and again, now could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he now erase her slow, terrible death just by the asking? It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who injure us. If you do not forgive your sins, mend their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the war, I had come home from Holland for and made a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars. Those who nursed their bitter bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And I still stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. 
and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, went down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner I had never known God's love so intently as I did then. I hope you caught the part where she says those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. Hurt left unattended sits inside our hearts and can easily turn into a version of hate. When we harbour bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, we only end up turning the hate back onto ourselves. But the good news is, all of that can change. Not only do we open the door to a possible reconciliation, but more importantly, we find healing, peace and freedom for ourselves. Forgiveness unlocks the door for this to happen. Before we go any further, it's really important, I think, to understand a little bit about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't about tolerating the offence that happened, to somehow shrug it off and think it never happened or belittle its consequences as if it doesn't matter. Oh, it was ages ago, it doesn't really matter anymore. It also means that the relationship that we once had cannot be the same again in some circumstances. You might find peace, but that doesn't always mean things have to go back or can go back to the way they were. But when you forgive, it has a way of powerfully releasing the offender from punishment and setting us free as well. We release the offence into God's hands and he alone is the judge and we can trust that the judge of all the earth will do the right thing. You might be thinking, well, that's all very well, but you don't know what happened to me. You don't know the terrible things that were done to me or said about me. What happened to me was unforgivable. Maybe you're thinking what Corrie ten Boom thought. No, I cannot forgive, but he can. 
God can. And I think that's the starting point in finding our path to peace. It is to recognize that God has forgiven the awful things that we have done. C.S. Lewis once said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. We can extend grace to others because of the enormous amount of grace and forgiveness that's been extended to us. Jesus once told a really powerful parable about this. It's in Matthew 18. And it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay the master, he ordered, he, master ordered he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me. I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees. Be patient with me. I, I will pay everything back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours. Because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owned. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. We have been released from a punishment that our sins deserve. If you are a Christian, all your darkest sins have been atoned for. The slate is wiped clean. You are free. And as a result, we are released, called to release others from their debt to us. You might recall a prayer that Jesus spoke about that. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. The English poet Alexander Pope wrote, To err is human, to forgive is divine. We reflect the nature of God in such a dramatic way when we are willing to forgive. If you really want to be like the Lord, then you need to be a forgiving person. Because he is a forgiving God. 
The definition of forgiveness is a cancelling of a debt, which is what God has done for us. Freely we have received, freely we must give. So, how do we begin this journey of forgiveness? It's both a decision and a process. The process may well indeed be a long one, but we can start the journey of forgiveness today. It's a process that acknowledges the hurt and the impact of those things that have been done to us and recognising that, but also recognising that we can start the process of forgiveness by making a decision. We can decide this day to forgive. It's not always easy. But as we come to understand how much God loves us and has forgiven us, our hearts become open to showing the same level of mercy and love and forgiveness that we ourselves have received. We have been forgiven so much. How could we not extend the same level of mercy and grace to others? We can love very much because we have been forgiven very much. And forgiveness is God's way of offering us healing. We do not need to let all those years of anger, bitterness, rage and resentment cause us any more pain. We can be free and we can choose to let the offender go free too. It doesn't mean that you're moving on with indifference or forgetting what happened or somehow diminishing what happened. But forgiveness is a way of finally breaking the change that might be causing some of the problems that you're facing today. In his book, Total Forgiveness, R.T. Kendall describes this as one of the hardest yet one of the most greatest things he ever had to do. He says, an unexpected blessing emerged as I began to forgive. A peace came into my heart that I had not felt in years. God can help us to totally forgive others. And in doing so, we set ourselves free at the same time. I'll finish on one more quote from Corrie Ten Boom. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. Why don't you use this safe space today to reach out to a God who loves you more than you can ever imagine and find the peace? that you've been longing for. Start today the process of forgiveness and begin your journey to healing and wholeness. Thank you very much, Julian. Can I invite the band to come back?
I just want to give you a few minutes just to process some of the things that you've heard. Just kind of a moment or two just to sort of own what might be yours to own, to recognize that maybe this morning there's an invitation to you. So just take a moment or two just to be still. In a room like this, um, it's inevitable that some of you will have been through this process of having to forgive people and having done it. And you know that what Julian was saying was true, actually, that the peace comes to you, the one who forgives. It's also true that in a room of this size, uh, that it's inevitable that there will be people who are in the midst of a situation and you know you need to forgive. It might be varying levels of sort of significance, really, from really life-changing things that have happened to you through to very small insults. But the effect it's had on you <coughs> is that it's never far away from your memory. And if there are people that that would be true of, in your memory right now. There's people who you can think of almost immediately and they still live in your head rent-free, as someone said. Then we want to invite you to begin that journey of forgiveness. We're going to do a couple of things. We're going to invite you as part of a whole congregation just to take an act, really, of laying some stuff down. And then we'll give you the opportunity to be prayed for one-on-one -on -one if that's helpful. This is how I suggest we begin. If it's for you, there's a sense in which when you listen to a sermon like Julian's, very powerful, there's a kind of a moment where you go, that's true and that's brilliant and I will carry it. Because today you may not need to forgive someone, but it'll only take one bad day tomorrow. And today's sermon will be very relevant. But for others of you, it's today. And if you know that you're still carrying stuff, that whenever you think of a situation or people or a person, it all floods back to you, the anger, the indignation, the hurt... If you know that's you, I'm going to invite you just to get hold of something. So on my pew, there's any number of bits of, there's keys and there's bits of this Bible, there's all my paraphernalia down here. You might not, you might be much tidier. But if you've got a handbag and you've got something in your handbag, you could just get hold of a, a set of keys or something. It doesn't really matter what it is. No one's going to see this. It's just whatever. I just want you to hold on to something. Or it might be something in your pocket, but just 
if you know that you are carrying unforgiveness and you want to make a response to the prayer we're going to pray in a minute, get hold of something. Hold it in your hand. All right, just take a moment. Just hold it in your hand. Just grab it. Take some keys. Take the purse. Take a wallet. Just grab it. Because what I'm going to invite you to do is let go of it. And in a moment or two, we're going to pray. And as I'm praying, I'm going to invite you just to lay it down on the floor. Just to actually let it go. And it's a symbol. It's not the actual act, but it's a symbol of the act that you want to be true. That you want to lay down the hurt. You want to lay down the constant re-arguments that go around your mind. I just want it to stop. And as you lay it to the floor, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you. So if that's you, and you've got your thing, then as I'm praying, you just lay it to the floor. You might hear people dropping it. It might be a series of bumps. Maybe a very powerful symbol of a group of people just going, actually, we're going to let some stuff go. So don't worry if it makes a noise. In fact, it's better if it makes a noise. Jesus, because you've walked in our shoes, because God came and lived amongst us, God incarnate, there were times where people betrayed Jesus. There were times when people denied him. There were times where people <clears throat> said all manner of untrue and unfair things about Jesus. Father, there were times where people went out of the way to hurt Jesus. And Jesus you showed us the way to respond, which was, Father, forgive them. Lord, today we choose to begin a journey of forgiveness again. There's loads of us in this room, Lord, and we've, we've been on this journey loads of times. But Lord, today, yet again, we come and we ask that we might begin that journey of forgiveness. Lord, because you know us so well, you know exactly what we've been through. You know what's been said about us and you know the effect it's had on us. You know what people have done to us and you know what we've had to live with. You know the wounds and you know the scars that we bear. But Lord, this morning, we choose to lay it back down again and not fight that fight again. So Lord, just now, in this moment, we physically lay down the symbol of that situation. We let it drop. It comes out of our hands. And Lord, in doing so, we pray that the symbol of letting go would be the reality of what happens in our heart. Holy Spirit, come. And in the place of where there's a fight, in the place of where there's resentment, in the place of the, where there's bitterness, in the place where there's righteous anger, Lord, may your peace fill our hearts, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we're tired of going over the situation over and over and over again in our minds and our hearts. 
We're tired of the effect it has on us. We're tired of trying to avoid the person because we don't want to meet them. We're tired of being frightened. We're tired of trying to get on in life while this keeps pulling us back. Holy Spirit, come and help us make a new start. Thank you that we have been forgiven much by you. Lord, now may we forgive those who sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly have hurt us and damaged us. Lord, may we release them to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.